Hello, I'm Charu Kamaria. I'm a writer, journalist, speaker, and podcaster based in the southeastern United States. And I started this show after many years of working in newsrooms where stories of the day are boiled down to just a few minutes. I want to go more in depth, talk about the things that we all should be noticing and discussing, and help you understand what the story really is. So let's get started. Welcome to this week's show. My guest today is Jennifer Asteris, a game director at Us2 Games, where she directed Monument Valley 2's DLC, The Lost Forest, and is working on the next Monument Valley. She's worked in the gaming industry for over 15 years at Nickelodeon and Disney, and she's spoken a lot about women in gaming and the social impact of games. Jennifer, welcome. Thanks so much. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you over there? Your day is over in London and my day is, I'm in the middle of it. Yes, but it's okay. I'm excited to talk to you because apparently we've been friends for what, over 40 years? Yeah, it's, Jennifer and I went to elementary school together, lost touch. I knew you had gotten into gaming and I actually heard from another friend who said, you know, Jennifer's like really big in the gaming industry. And she sent Adama McKinnon and she, who's an attorney now in Atlanta. And she actually mentioned to me that, you know, Jennifer's like really into, into it. So what, what got you interested in that industry? Uh, well, initially it came from my mom who, you know, back in, back in our time in the eighties, she would drag me and my siblings to the arcades and we'd be playing Pac-Man, and she's bumming quarters from us. It was a good time, you know. She's, and so it was partly inspired by her, and then partly inspired by my dad, who was who was a surgeon, or was a surgeon at the time. And uh, at the time, they were really ramping up laparoscopic surgery, which is a kind of surgery, it's, non, it's minimally invasive, and you're operating on someone while looking at a screen. Um, there's a camera that is inside. Uh, and he said the best way to train up on that was by playing video games because that helped with hand-eye coordination. So since then, I've been, you know, inspired to explore more about this this community, this industry, and uh, went to college for um, both business and English literature. And that kind of blending worked well for the games industry. And um, went into, uh, I guess, I, I went to grad school where I studied creative writing. And a professor there was offering a video games course, so I took it, and then it snowballed from there. The professor hired me onto some projects and went more and more forward, and here I am today. And what does, when you do what you do, I'm imagining that it's a lot of like, I'm thinking computer and coding and things like that, but it sounds like you, you're doing something very different because you studied writing and language, really. So is it a I little studied- bit both? Yeah, sorry. I studied writing and uh, I also studied, it was a, it's a Bachelor of Science in Economics, but I focused on information systems. So there was a lot of coding involved um, and some economics, which are all both crucial for game design. What is it like being a woman in that industry? It is an interesting challenge. And nowadays there's a lot of support groups that help uh, uh, women in the industry uh, elevate and um get supported from each other. But when I started, it was a bit different. I had been told in interviews that maybe they were reconsidering hiring me because I came off as too feminist. And I did not say anything to to me that felt very feminist at all. 
And um, I've been told things like, oh, well, you know, we don't see any sexism in the workplace, so therefore it must not exist. And, uh, you know, it's challenging to hear these things. But at the same time, it just means that there's an opportunity to educate people. And I think that's what's wonderful about not just being a pioneer, like a pioneer woman in the industry, but also having the personality to be able to take it and and try to use it for good. Yeah, you know, Jennifer, that's tough. I mean, to hear those things, uh, you know, when obviously there is a problem, uh, you know, we the default, of course, being a white male player in a lot of these games, we, we hear these horror stories about like crimes and sexual assault happening online in these video games. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's sad to be, it's kind of sad to hear that someone would say, no, we don't have a problem. Yeah, you do. Like, obviously, you know, absolutely. And there's even this whole episode, I mean, whole series of horrible things that happen. uh, What we're, what they're calling this event called Gamergate, where a woman had presented a series of talks on um, diversity in games and a few people were not fans of this and ended up putting her information online, her, her personal information online, telling people to go, you know, meet her in person and, and attack her in person. So she had to go move. She had to go uh, make herself more anonymous. It's, it's a challenging industry and navigating those, navigating those waters is not easy. Yeah, I, it sounds like it. And it's also if you you studied economics as well, if you're on the business side of this, this is an entire market that you might not be reaching women and people of color that want to play your games, want to buy this stuff. But obviously I'm not super into gaming, but when I hear things like this, I'm not exactly looking to want to play either, you know? Right. I remember also when, you know, starting out in the industry, I remember people telling me, Oh, you want to make a shopping game that will never click and that will never make money. And now some of the biggest games like Covet make hundreds of millions of dollars a month just on shopping. Yeah. Well, it's again, like the, the ideas that new people bring to an industry, whatever that industry is, right? Yes. The diversity of voices does add flavor and it adds more reach potential. So why not do it? So you and I are about the same age. Are you seeing more women get into the business like versus when you started? Yes. And I think it's exciting. I, I have been in workplaces where I was the only woman in the team of 50. And now in my current team, more than half of us are women. I think we also started looking at hiring a male because we're like, there's not enough males on the team. Let's get one more. (laughs) That's good. That's a nice problem to have. And what, when you play video games, I guess you enjoy playing them too, right? Oh, a little bit too much. (laughs) The whole family, the whole, like you and your spouse and the child too? Yes, we play together now. I mean, I think we were be, we're focusing more on board games and card games, but still, that that's a great way for us to collaborate and get together. And mm-hmm. Which game? Talk each other. <laughs> Which games do you like to play? Uh, so right now we're playing a lot of Bears versus Babies, which is an excellent card game. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Uh, in terms of online, we play some Roblox together. There's just a lot of zany games in there, and um, just anything that lets us interact. 
I think that's important to me is anything that doesn't just have a solo experience, but lets me play or paired play with, with my friends or with my family. Mm. Um, I can name a few others if you're interested. I think Brothers is an excellent one. It takes to uh, Just Dance. Uh, so many games that are out there. I highly recommend playing them. I love Just Dance. I have played that one. Um, and that is the closest I've come to wanting to get into this whole world. Is I just found that so much fun. What advice do you have for parents whose kids are into games, but they might not be as well-versed as you are? Advice to parents who are into games, but not as well-versed? Well, are they're not. The parents aren't, but their kids are. So how should they start getting involved? With yeah, like if, you know, like I have this issue a lot where my son will be, can I buy this? Can I buy this? And we've just said no across the board because we don't really know what we're dealing with. And I'm struggling enough. You know, he got an Apple Watch last year because, you know, he's going into, you know, getting older and he does need a way to contact us. But this was a whole world for me to navigate technology wise. So the video games, we've just been like, no. But, you know, if you're if you're me and you don't know about coding and all the things that you know, what do we do? Like, is the parent warning enough? Do we read online reviews from other parents? Yeah, there are things like Common Sense Media and there's reading reviews of the game itself, especially if it's a mobile game. Um, but it is a hard area to navigate. And what I recommend doing, which, you know, is to, it's, it's kind of fun to do, is just playing the game with your kid. Um, they want to play with you anyway, so why not have that, spend the time with that? Okay, so that's a that's a good one because then you're right there with them and you can see like you know there's been so much talk about violent video games, and um, I think in the United States you know where as you know being an American as well you know we we've had all these mass shootings and a lot of gun violence. People are quick to to blame partly these games, but then these games are played all over the world. And other parts of the world are not experiencing the gun violence. So it's clearly something unique about us. And so I think, you know, would you defend gaming when, when it comes down to things like this where people are like, no, 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 you know, kids are on screen too much and they're, these things are violent. How would you, or is that, does that come back down to really looking at what your kids are ingesting? I will make a controversial statement and I will say, yes, I blame gaming. I blame media. I blame entertainment, but it's because we have this responsibility as creators and we have the responsibility to consider making a better place, consider making something that teaches positivity rather than negativity. So there are some games there, games change behavior. And if you are making a lot of shooter games, they tend to encourage that kind of activity. Mm. But if you're making a game that is about encouraging positive behaviors, like um, us two games recently made a game called Albo, A Wildlife Adventure, which teaches players to pick up after yourself. And it's joyful to interact with animals and to take pictures of them. Uh, and I think the more that we have those games, the more that we can inspire positive activities. Oh, that's a really good way to look at it. So in addition to putting more um, women out there in that industry, in addition to pe different voices, people of color, there's also this, creating something different and really yes. um, counterbalancing that and having some choices for a consumer. Yes, absolutely. So Jennifer... Diversity is key. <laughs> it is. You mentioned 
that, you know, at times it's been hard to be a woman in gaming and the things, you know, that people have said, and you, you had mentioned, I wanted to go back to it where you had said, you know, also how much can you educate, but also take it. And I thought that was interesting. So do you, does it not phase you? Does this roll off your back when you used to hear or sometimes still encounter these arcane ideas? I think part of it I attribute to growing up in Georgia in the 80s where people had told me something similar regarding my race or you know, less so about my gender, but more about, oh, you're Filipino or you're Asian, so my parents said I can't be friends with you because you're not white. And just being told these things over and over again kind of let me build up I guess a tough skin and that tough skin um, was useful when I got into the game industry. So I didn't take them seriously or I, I would attribute it to, oh, their parents taught them this kind of behavior. So maybe there is some way I can try to, if not change their mind, at least try to s- still coexist with them mm. without me myself being bothered by it. That is a very grown for you to have that. I think, you know, you and I grew up roughly in the same area in the same time frame, and I still feel the scars of that, those comments. And, um, you know, I think I might have heard some of the same things. I wonder if it was the same from the same classmates. We'll have to talk about that <laughs> later. But I still feel that, you know what I mean? So it's really impressive to me that you can um, put it in a box, like put it in its place and not take those things so personally. Well, here's the reason why, Sheru. It's because of people like you and Adama and all of my diverse friends that I had growing up at, at the schools that we went to. The, the fact that they existed and they were friends with us and they supported us, that's what got me through it. And I think that's what gets me through it today. Mm-hmm. If I were doing this alone, if I were the only person that were, um, you know, a female and a minority, then I would struggle more. So I lean on my community to help. Yes, it is. And we do live, you and I, we have been able to keep in touch largely because of social media. So it is great to have, exist in a world where you can be in London and I can still be here in the southeastern United States and we can speak today and be that community, although we can't meet up for coffee or go do, you know what I mean? And so it is, we live in this great world where technology can be doing this and also creating these amazing games that you're doing. Yeah. And I think that you can find your community anywhere. So for me, that community is at my workplace, but also that community is with organizations that I'm a part of, like women in games. So that they help me. Another one is playing for the planet, which is a, a community that is about sustainability, but it's also about that diverse voices, you know, there's a big thing about intersectionality between sustainability movement and having more diverse voices involved. And I think there's just a lot of support and, and beauty in these groups. Hmm. I wanted to talk to you. So I want to talk about the climate because I know that that is really important to you. But to go back to you were asked to speak a lot about women in gaming. And that's actually what made me think, hey, I should interview her. Because you had talked about, um, you know, that you would be speaking about this. So why do you think you get asked so much to talk about this? How did this all start where you were, became sort of more of an advocate and a public advocate for women in gaming? I think part of it was that I became more brave over time. Before I thought, oh, I don't have much to say or, oh, you know, I'm, I'm scared that, you know, I'm not a great speaker, but 
who cares, right? I think part of it is just, you know what, who cares anymore? I just want to get my word out. It's more about the thing I, I need to shed, spread that. See, there we go. I yeah. need to spread the word. I need people to know that it's it, it's okay to be a female in the industry. It's okay to be a woman in the industry. It's, it's okay to be a minority in the industry. And um, if I don't say those words, then people will continue to think the way they used to think. Yeah. So I need to be out there to normalize it because who else will? I mean, there's other people doing it, but I want to be part of that act- activity. Yeah, I can't agree more. I mean, we're we're living in a time where if you have a story like this to share, you really have to. Um, you really owe it to uh, the cacophony of voices that's kind of out there. And some of them are really filled with hate. So you have to be counterbalancing this. And if for nothing else, because it's like a beacon of light to the other people that are working on these things, too. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a colleague of mine, and uh, he was talking to me about doing talks, and he said, oh, I'm, I'm a bit nervous, and I haven't really done this before, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if I want to do it. I'm like, why not? Just just try it, you know? Do it, and see if you like it, and if you like it, keep going. Yeah, that's awesome. What got you so interested in climate change and protecting the environment, and how does that relate to gaming for you? So... For me, after I had my daughter, I started looking. I mean, I've always been involved with climate movements and environmental science clubs when I was in my in my elementary school years. But um, once I had my daughter, I realized I need to leave the world in a better place than it is right now, or I need to at least try. And I would hate for my kid to see me later on in life and say, she did nothing. She didn't help the world become a better place. She just made it worse. So... Part of it is redemption slash, you know, trying to trying to make up for my past actions. But part of it is also I have a platform to do this. I want to help um, add more richness to the world. I want to make the world uh, a place that is viable and thriving and better than when I was growing up. I love that. And for climate change, how does that... In addition to advocacy, and um, I feel like a lot of us, even, you know, there's there's been kind of this waking up when it comes to the environment. Um, some of us have always known, some of us are waking up more to it, and it's becoming something that's becoming undeniable, even to people that wanted to deny it. Um, so do you, how does that, does that intersect with gaming, or do you think, or is this separate? Something about games is that we are known for being able to change people's behaviors. So if we can change people's behaviors, we can change their behavior towards the environment and towards how we interact with the environment. I think what, you know, current extractive capitalism is about is take, take, take. Can we use games to say, you don't need as much. You can give more and you can still live a very full life. And that's what I'm, that's what I want to explore. And you can do that with games. How does, you mentioned that games can change behavior. How? Well, I guess in the smallest way, if you're used to tapping the A button over and over again, can that, that, that habit that we teach you be applied to activities you do in your daily life? Like, oh yeah, I do want to um, make sure I recycle everything. Or, oh yeah, I do want to rethink when I buy something. And that was something that, a behavior that was taught through a game or even a storyline that was shared in the game. There's another way as well, which is more about 
having activations in the game that let you um, change the world, I guess, for lack of a better term, such as uh, with Monument Valley 2's The Lost Forest, we have a petition in the game. So before and after you play the activation, you are presented with a call to action. And that petition helps uh, protect the forest from the, from the, it helps protect, preserve forests uh, because they're the first line of defense against climate change. So mm. I think what we're trying to do is figure out what are the more ways that players can be more activists in the game, be more of an activist in the game. That is really cool. Jennifer, I, that never occurred to me that you could do that. That's amazing. Armchair activism. Why not? <laughs> well, anything, you know, it's like all hands on deck with all this stuff, yeah. really. I mean, anybody that can do any, figure out where you can use your energy to best create the change. Yes. You know. Right. Right. That's kind of where I'm at now is like, okay, where can I use my energy? Where is my energy just going to waste? I don't want to waste it. You know, you don't have time. Is there anything that I didn't <laughs> ask you that you wanted to say? No, I mean, I, I think I'm just excited to be talking about this because part of it is I'm trying to, for myself, understand why, why am I doing this? And am I doing, am I using my my life and my minutes and my seconds to the best of my ability, or am I just kind of, you know, blindly on autopilot? And it's just these moments like these, like podcasts or even giving talks that let me have that reflection time. So I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate what you've been doing. I've been listening to some of your podcasts and just, just loving that you're exploring like all types of people, you know, from authors in India to, you know, chefs, there's one where he talks about, I was really excited about this, about like food waste and, and preservation practices. And those kinds of stories, again, you are tying into what Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie said about the danger of a single story. The problem with it, that single story is that we get tied to only one stereotype of people. And what you're trying to do is spread that there is more than that and that we should appreciate it and that we can't be tied down to just one story. We need to have more. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that and thank you for making time today for me. I have really enjoyed catching up with you. I'll have more information about the work that Jennifer has done um, in the show notes and anything that she wants to pass our way. I'm going to um, debrief with her and we'll put all of that in the show notes and um, appreciate everyone listening. And until next time, I hope that you find something that makes your soul light and happy. You can support this show by subscribing it, liking it, and sharing it with others. And you can also follow the show on Instagram at the story with Charu. That's on Instagram. It's all lowercase, all one word at the story with Charu. That's where I post pictures of our guests. And I also have um, more fresh takes about current events that we really can't get to in a podcast format. And sometimes just random things from around the globe or just everyday life. You can also find more information about me on my website, charukamaria.com. That's C-H-A-R-U-K-U-M-A-R-H-I-A dot com. Again, that's also one word. And until next time, I hope that you find something that makes your soul light and happy.